0: As you know, we're in a series of sermons from the New Testament letter to the Philippians. And Clay has chosen this series uh, because this last year and a half, almost going on two years now, have made it so difficult to experience joy in our lives. The COVID pandemic but also the political issues that are so divisive, racial issues, sexual issues, environmental threats, fires, floods, hurricanes, not to mention the mass shootings that are happening all too often in our society. All of this and more has made joy sort of an elusive quality in people's lives today. So the question is, how can we find joy again? How can we face the future with hope? How can we turn off the bad news and focus instead on what's good in the world? How can we live with gratitude? I mean, Thanksgiving is in two weeks. How can we live with gratitude rather than anger and frustration? I mean, aren't all these things what living spiritually is all about? Paul's letter to the Philippians deals with all of these things. It emphasizes living as followers of Jesus rather than as just citizens of the world. Philippians tells us that we should live in a manner that is worthy of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 27 It points out how we all face the same struggles in life. Chapter 1, verse 30. But Christians should live as children of God in the midst of a crooked generation without murmuring and arguing that you may shine like stars in the world. Chapter 2, 14 to 15. And then eventually chapter 4 is the one that tells us more specifically how to do this. When you think about it, it's not really the big issues of life that tend to drag us down. I mean, after all, there's only so much you can do about all those major issues, but it's the day-to-day little issues The frustrations, the pressures, the disappointments, the inconveniences, the interruptions, uh, the irritations, these things do us in more readily than the big issues that we face. As somebody once said, it's the small stuff that kills us. And sometimes the biggest problems in life The biggest problem is that the little things get us down. They drag us down. And the real test of your Christian faith or your ability to live as a spiritual person is how you handle the little things in life that come your way every day. The irritations, the troubles, the frustrations, the disappointments. And all of us face them. We're like the person who prayed Dear Lord, so far today, I'm doing all right. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't been nasty or unpleasant. So far, nobody has irritated me or disappointed me. I feel no pressures. I have not been inconvenienced. However, Lord, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed, and then I will need help in a better way. It's always bothered me that over the last couple of decades, maybe more, that these national surveys they take like to point out that you can't really tell much difference between people of faith and people who don't have faith. But I might suggest that the main thing that makes a Christian different from others has to do with their attitude toward other people and their attitude toward these little things that drag most people down in life and Philippians says very clearly that we should face all these things without complaining, without arguing so that quote we can become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe. Life is made up mainly of the little things. And so the title of a book a number of years ago said, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. So what are these little things I'm talking about that test our Christian character? Uh, I'd put them in three main categories. Number one, there are the interruptions in life. And interruptions always come at an inconvenient time Uh, Is there really any convenient time for a flat tire, for example? It seems like when you've got a million things to do and you're so busy or feel like you're so busy, that's when all the interruptions seems to happen the most. You're in a hurry to go somewhere. You're heading out the door. and All of a sudden, you hear the phone ringing. You get your child down for a nap and you think, oh, I can slip into a nice warm bath and all of a sudden you hear a knock on the door, the Amazon guy or the UPS delivery guy is bringing what you ordered. You finally find a Saturday when you can sleep late and you're grateful for it, and then all of a sudden it's 6.30 in the morning, you hear the buzzsaw of a chainsaw, somebody next door is doing their tree work. These are frustrations. I'm the kind of person that that likes to plan every day what I intend to do, so that I can get done all that I want to get done. But it never fails that when my schedule that I plan is the busiest, that the interruptions always seem to be the greatest. Often it ends up being noon before I get to the thing I'd planned to do at nine o'clock in the morning. Our best laid plans are so often interrupted and it frustrates us if we let it. But I learned a long time ago that it's those interruptions where the real joys of life and the good things can happen if we have a different attitude toward them. The second category is that of inconveniences that are a source of frustration. Inconveniences are caused by things rather than people, things that break down or don't work right, especially when you need them to. The mower won't start. The garage door won't open, the basement floods, the car's got a dead battery, computers crash or your internet service goes out. The stores are sold out, all the shelves are empty, uh, only of the things that you really want. Your child's going to camp for a couple of weeks and you've got all of his clothes to wash to get ready and your washing machine breaks down. A friend gives you 10 pounds of deer meat. You put it in the freezer. Next day, discover your freezer, quit working. I know, I know what it's like because all those things are what's happened to me. One of my most miserable, memorable inconveniences in life happened when Clay was about five months old. I was invited to preach in a church down in Orlando, Florida. And so we were in the car halfway between our house and the airport Saturday night to fly down to preach Sunday morning when uh, I learned what projectile vomit is all about. <laughs> and when our plane landed in Orlando and it was near midnight when we got there, Clay had a temperature of 105 degrees. Yes, we faced the inconveniences in life and to deal with it in the right way, you've got to have patience And you've got to have faith. Third category of the stuff that bugs us most in life, the little things, that of irritations. And irritations can be either things or people. Uh, In Memphis, we lived next door to the University of Memphis while the kids were growing up. And I don't know how many times on Saturday night when I tried to go to bed early so I'd be rested to preach Sunday morning, usually in the springtime, some fraternity would be having a party, or somebody in our neighborhood would be having a party and there was a band playing outdoors until two o'clock in the morning. For a preacher, that's called irritation. But physical pain can cause irritation. Headaches, backaches, toothaches, knee aches for a lot of us, stomach aches, heartaches, being tired, not feeling good, All of these things can bring irritation and frustration. Some of them we can avoid in advance, but others are just unavoidable. So it's not the big crises of life necessarily that do us in, but it's all these small things, the small stuff that happens. So the question is, how do you handle them? And I think there are four basic ways that people react to the little things in life that frustrate us. Uh, Number one, a lot of people try to resist it. They fight it, they blow up, they lose their cool. You can tell what a lot of people are like by the way that they react to these situations. Somebody once said, it's a small pot that boils the quickest. It's amazing how little it takes to make drivers mad on the roads here in Nashville. And they'll speed up, they'll cut somebody off, they lay on their horn, they even give you the sign. You know what I mean? If you drive on these streets, you know what I mean. A second way that people respond to frustration is to resent it. Instead of blowing up and letting it out, they hold it in. And they blame everybody else for their unhappiness. And so they act rude when they go to Walgreens to get your prescription, and when you get there, trying in a hurry to get it, you find out it's it's during the lunch hour between 1.30 and 2. Ever done that? Or you're, you're second or third in line, and you realize that the two cars ahead of you in the pickup line are getting COVID tests. So it takes 45 minutes to do that. So you run inside the store. Well, you know what it's like. You've done it. Or you get frustrated in your restaurant and you, so you leave an insultingly small tip for your server. The only person you're really insulting is yourself. Or people complain and they go, well, that's not fair. As if somebody promised life would be fair. Where did that come from? A third typical way that people react to the troubles in life are they just sort of resign themselves to it. Grin and bear it, they say. I don't like what's going on, but I just put up with it. That's the stoic approach. Many people just give in to frustration. You ask them, how you doing? And they say, well, so far so good under the circumstances. So why are you under the circumstances? Why aren't you on top of them? That's the only way to really be happy. What does the Bible say about how we're supposed to handle our frustrations? What does it say about how we are to live in a spiritual way? You don't resist them. You don't resent them. You don't resign yourself to them. The Bible says you reduce it. You put it in a right perspective. That's the fourth way we should respond. This is the right way. You don't sweat the small stuff. You see it for what it is, small stuff. You don't fight it you learn to live with it. Don't get emotionally upset and all worked out over things that aren't really going to matter a week from now. You see it in light of the bigger picture of life. See it from God's point of view and then get God's help in dealing with it. When you let it upset you, it simply means you're not in tune with God. And usually the things that frustrate us the most in life are really just the little things that in the bigger picture aren't that important. I can still remember when I was a boy growing up hearing my father say whenever he thought he had troubles in life, all he had to do was visit a children's hospital and he realized he didn't really have any problems at all. It puts it all into perspective. So how do we handle these little issues in life that, that can pull us down and have pulled us down over the last couple of years especially? Let me wrap this up by giving you a few quick pointers, guidelines about how to deal with them. Number one, ask yourself, did I cause this situation? So often we bring our frustrations on ourselves, especially when we handle life's issues in the wrong way. The Bible says you reap what you sow. And so often we sow the seeds of our own frustration. If you brought it on yourself by procrastinating or trying to do too much, we're all guilty of that, and you're not adequately preparing for it, then why should you blame somebody else for your frustration? Especially don't blame God. Look at your attitude. Are you reacting in the right way? Secondly, ask yourself, what can I learn from this situation? How would Jesus respond to it? How can I grow in character because of this problem and become more like Christ? Again, the scriptures tell us that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. But it doesn't say that all things are going to always be good, that every situation is going to be good. But it does tell us that no matter what happens, bad though it may be, God can and will bring good things out of it if we just approach it with that kind of faith. God uses our disappointments and our frustrations in life to help us grow, to grow in joy, to grow in love, to grow in patience, to grow in wisdom. If, for example, God wants you to to grow in love, He just might do it by putting some unlovely people in your pathway. If God wants you to grow in patience and peace, maybe the best way to learn that is through frustrating situations. There is no situation that you can't learn from. And I often like to say we grow more in difficult times than we ever grow when everything is so good. Third, learn to give thanks to God for the frustrating little issues of life. Again, from our book of Philippians, we are told in chapter 4, verse 6, that in everything we should give thanks. Notice, though, it doesn't say for everything, but in everything, because there are a lot of things that we're not thankful for. But the key is to learn to be thankful for what we can be grateful for in the midst of the frustrating situations. God will bring something out of it, if you'll just take that kind of an approach. A fourth guideline, memorize scripture. And Philippians is a great book to memorize, particularly chapter four. The psalmist says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And when you memorize scriptures and difficult times come, you can recall what those scriptures say and how they apply to life. How many times I had... Children that grew up in the church that didn't like to have to do memory verses of scripture come back when they were in their 30s or or newly married or raising a family and say, you know, I never understood those scriptures I had to memorize, but I'm understanding them now. They're speaking to me now. But if they had never memorized them, how would they ever have them to draw upon Besides Philippians, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which very clearly says God will never allow you to have a burden in life that is too great to handle with his help. But with the trouble you're facing, God will give you a way of dealing with it. I always say, you know, if God brings you to it, God will see you through it. I can say if life brings you to it, God will also see you through it. Number five, don't panic, but learn to pray. Don't make God your last resort when everything else fails. Make God your first resort. Let prayer be the first reaction you ever have when you feel yourself getting frustrated or down. Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Number six, ask God to fill you with his love, especially when dealing with difficult people. As it says in that beautiful chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, love is not irritable. That goes along with the scripture text this morning that you don't murmur or grumble in hard times. When you're filled with love, when you truly know love, agape love, Christ-like love, nothing's really going to pull you down or frustrate you. But when you're filled with anger, everything's, going to pull you down. And lastly, number seven, if you want to cope with all these little things in life that tend to frustrate us, keep your sense of humor. Uh, Turn your frustrations into a funny humorous event. I've never had a problem with that myself because whenever I get frustrated and start acting crazy, my kids would always make fun of me and then they would imitate the way that I would act. And what was frustrating turned into a funny situation. I always say you can either laugh or you can cry, but I prefer to laugh. Laughter is the shock absorber in life. It lightens the load. It makes things more tolerable. You cannot laugh at a frustration and blow up at it at the same time. So no wonder, again, the Bible says, a cheerful heart is good medicine So if you want to live a satisfying and successful life, learn to handle all the little things in the right way. Learn to deal with them in a spiritual way, which means according to the guidelines that we find in Scripture. Don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff, especially in the light of eternity. Amen.